Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have one of our new lessons, lesson number 2, lesson on obedience, uh, as the teenagers and the children and all the teachers we want to get rid of are leaving. Well, uh, if you do not have one of our lessons, if you hold your hand up, and we'll try to get one to you. Uh, Brother Bonnie, you want to help me with that, sir? Look at that, Miss Chris. Your husband's being useful. You should write that down. And uh, if you need one of the lessons, get your hands up. We'll get one to you. A lesson on obedience. You'd be praying for me this morning. Miss Helen made some kind of rich concoction here and gave to me. I'm a little worried what it's going to do to me, so... Just, just know, I want this on record on video. If I die, this might be what it was. But uh, turn here, if you will, to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. We, we started looking a few weeks ago, and we began a series on Peter, the making of a disciple. And... All of us, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called not only to accept the gift of salvation, uh, we are called to follow Christ. And following Christ, now salvation, let me back up just a little bit before we go into the text. Salvation is a matter of receiving and accepting the payment already paid by Christ, and it is something that is done once, and it is done once for all. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, our high priest, unlike the other high priests, the pattern, the, the pictures of what God was going to do, it says Jesus Christ entered once into the holy place. Now Aaron went and he went again and he went again and he went again and all the Aaronic priests since that time uh, had to go in over and over and over, but Jesus one time entered in, the payment was completed, it was done, and when I received the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that's all there is. There is no uh, receiving and receiving. I've heard people say, uh, oh no, I pray and ask God to save me every day. Now, there's a problem with that. Either God isn't good at saving you or God's a liar. Uh, the fact is, you can only be saved one time. Uh, salvation is... Uh, an event that happens when we receive the gospel. But when it comes to discipleship, discipleship and being a disciple is not about a one-time decision. We, we looked for several weeks there. The first, I believe it was across four weeks because we have some missionary and uh, some other folks in between. But we looked at Jesus calling Peter. Now, he called Peter, but when Peter said, okay, I'll leave my nets and I'll follow you, that wasn't the end of him becoming a disciple. Rather, that was the first step of discipleship. It was the first step along the journey of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And today, uh, we continue in that journey as we look at a lesson on obedience. Look at Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake, of course, this is Jesus, the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. 
And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. By the way, somebody sent me that verse uh, last year when I uh, tore my knee and said, Preacher, it's okay if you preach sitting down. Jesus sat down when he preached. But verse 4, the Bible says, now the only problem was we couldn't find a way to get a boat in here. Maybe next time. Uh, chapter, verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, when they had done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and the net brake, and they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. That's my kind of fishing trip right there. Uh, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And verse 9, for he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that we, all of us, would desire to be true disciples, followers, learners of you. Lord, as we are witnessing Peter's journey, Lord, as we're examining Scripture with Scripture, Lord, as we're seeing the journey and the making of Peter into a disciple. Lord, help us not just to be spectators, but God, would you help us to apply truths in our heart. Lord, I pray we would yield to your Holy Spirit as you lead us and guide us in all truth. Lord, I pray we would let your word, uh, Lord, give us that faith. Lord, just, uh, from your word we receive the faith to follow the steps you've given us. Lord, I pray you'd help me to, to preach and teach you right this morning. Uh, Lord, this message, Lord, as we just begin to skim the surface, Lord, on this thought of obedience, this lesson of obedience, Lord, we struggle with that. Lord, we need your help. Help us now. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We saw last two weeks ago, I guess it was, we finished up the lesson uh, as we saw Peter as he entered into Jesus' school of discipleship. And the very first lesson was, follow me. It was Jesus calling Peter. Now, and I hope this morning that we realize as believers in Jesus Christ that he not only wants you to spend eternity with him, he wants you to follow him now. Uh, that's an amazing thing. How many of you know folks that uh, you have friends that maybe live in a, a distant uh, province or maybe a distant state or maybe a different country. You have friends that, you know, you'd like to see and uh, be nice if they came to visit. We all have folks like that. But most of us would say, most of the folks that we would like to see and we'd like them to come and visit, you don't want them to live with you forever. You know, you want them to come and, and then there's going to come a point where you're going to say, Brother Eric, okay, it's time for you to go. Uh, you go back where you were from. You know, you know, we don't need you here all the time. But Jesus, I love this, he wants us to be with him forever. That's a powerful thing. That, that's an eternal thing. And not only does he want us to be with him in heaven forever, he wants us to follow him now. And we began to see Peter as Peter was called to follow Christ. And 
God redeemed us. He created us. And he deserves your obedience and my obedience. As Christians, we should always be growing in the knowledge. By the way, the knowledge we get is from the Word of God, not from our feelings, not from emotion. We should always be growing in the knowledge of our Savior. Benjamin Franklin, some of you know the name, uh, the man who supposedly flew a, flew a kite and discovered electricity. I call hogwash on that. I think that would be you die. But anyway, uh, Benjamin Franklin said, tell me, and I forget. Teach me, and I may remember. Involve me, and I learn. In essence, through involvement, we learn to incorporate truth. We see here this morning, as we just begin this lesson, the Lord is involving Peter in his work. He is, and by the way, we get involved through obedience to Christ. God wants you involved. He wants me involved. He wants us to follow him. In the Christian life, uh, there is nothing, there is no lack of involvement that is acceptable. If we said, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. How many of you like baseball? How many of you like to play baseball? I'm seeing all the people I don't like in here. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed playing some sports when I was growing up. Baseball was not one of those sports. I, Brother Dexter, you're not allowed to beat anybody up in baseball. Did you know that? You can't punch anybody. You can't shoulder. I mean, you're not supposed to do that. And it requires hand-eye coordination, Brother Mike. I don't have any of that. Uh, I've been knocked out two times in my life, twice. Now, I've boxed before. Uh, I, I've never had somebody hit me and knock me out. I've, but I have been knocked out twice. Both of those times, I knocked myself out. One time was on a set of monkey bars. Uh, the other time was with a baseball bat. <clears throat> I knocked myself out with a baseball bat. Because I was trying to hit a baseball. That's how bad I am at baseball. I got so mad, I swung the bat so hard, it came around and cracked me in the back of the skull. Uh, I went unconscious, rolled down the hill into back behind the uh, cellar behind my grandparents' house. And I don't know how long I was out. My grandparents couldn't find me for a couple hours, so I was out for a while. But I don't like baseball. I, I, I don't <clears throat> enjoy playing it. I, I don't enjoy watching it. You know, they say the phrase, as American as baseball and apple pie. I like apple pie, but I am not American when it comes to baseball. And I remember growing up when I was a kid, if we had to play baseball, I would try to avoid playing baseball. I would always try to, oh, no, you, you, can, you can go in front of me. Anybody, anybody like that growing up? You know, I don't know. I, don't, you, you 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 know, I just kept going to the back of the line. And then I would always try to be out somewhere on the field where, you know, you could just hands in your pockets and do nothing. I remember when I was in Bible college, we had a ministry meeting, a picnic every year. And every year, every year they'd play softball. That's the only thing worse than baseball. And I hated it. So I decided what I was going to do before the organization of the game happened. I went around and said, hey, guys, hey. You guys want to play football? 
And I took all the guys, and we went over and started playing football, and we had a good game. I mean, that's a, that's a real game. That's a game where you can hit people. Uh, you're supposed to hit people. Uh, the ball is big enough. You don't have to, you don't have to hit it with a, a little stick. I mean, you can hold on to it. You can throw it. Uh, we're playing football, enjoying ourselves, and I look over, and I see the man in charge of the ministry that I worked in waving at me. And I wanted to ignore him, except he saw that I saw that we made eye contact. And I went over and said, hey, get over here. We're going to play softball. It was like a balloon. I was so deflated. I, I did not want to be involved in softball. Christian, I'm afraid sometimes we don't really want to be involved in the Christian life. Now, we want heaven. We, we want to be with Jesus forever. Uh, we, we want to walk down those golden streets. We want to enjoy the glory and blessings of all the tears being wiped away in eternity with the Lord. And we, we look forward to that. But we don't always want to be involved in discipleship. We don't always want to be involved in obeying Christ. And this morning, as we begin this subject of looking at a lesson of, of obedience, we're going to see some things about that. Obedience, by the way, is necessary for learning. Not in your notes this morning, but that thought is so vital. Obedience is necessary for learning. Let me read a verse to you. John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. But the verse does not stop there. It continues on, and they follow me. They follow me. If I am to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I have to be obedient. There's a wonderful song in our hymn book, Trust and Obey. Mr. John, uh, John Samus wrote that song. The lyrics are, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Can I tell you that is a secret? That song, that simple song, that simple gospel song we sing is a, is a simple truth to effective, being an effective disciple or follower of Jesus Christ, simply to trust and obey. Amen. Trust and obey. What God says we do. Trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey. Peter, on the shore that day, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter left, left his nets, left the boats. But can I tell you, Peter had a lot of decisions to make between that point and the point at the end of his life when history tells us that Peter will be crucified upside down. For the gospel's sake. There were a lot of Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays between the day that he began to follow Jesus and the day that he gave his life and saw him face to face. Now, those days and those decisions involved obedience. Point number one in your notes this morning, we see the challenge 
the challenge. Verses 1 through 4, And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Genesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now, can I tell you what had happened previous to this point? We pick up the story here, this account. Jesus comes down by the lake Genesaret. There's two boats moored here by the edge of the lake. Uh, obviously, some kind of line or dock going out to the boats because Jesus got on them. Now, I know Jesus could walk in the water, but... Nobody said, oh, man, Jesus walked in the water. Obviously, they're there at the edge of the water. And the fishermen aren't on the boats. They're cleaning their nets. Now, they're cleaning nets, but they're not cleaning fish because they've been fishing all night, and they didn't have any fish. Jesus goes out on the boat, and as he's going out in the boat, I can just imagine he's going out, and Peter's like, what are, you, what are you doing on my boat? He said, hey, I want you to just, let's take the boat out a little ways from the shore here. He said, can I, can we use it just for a minute? Okay. So Peter takes the boat out a little bit. Jesus sits down. The people on the shore side, Jesus begins to teach. He begins to preach. And he's done. I'm assuming the people left. I'm assuming he, Peter's thinking, okay, can, can we go back now? And Jesus has a discussion with Peter here. And Jesus told Peter something that didn't make any sense. He gave a challenge to Peter. Remember, Peter had fished all night. The boats are docked. He's cleaning his stuff. He's like, man, I hope tomorrow's better. Jesus preaches on his boat. That's the most productive thing that had happened that night and day. And then Jesus issues a challenge. Letter A in your notes. What was the challenge in verse 4? Launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a draw. Now, where had Peter been that night? <laughs> Out in the deep. Now, how many of you have ever been on a boat before? How many have ever been on a boat with a motor before? And that nice, just me. Peter didn't have a motor. Uh, think about this. Not only had Peter already been out in the deep and caught nothing, it wasn't an easy thing for Peter to go out in the deep. I remember a year and a half ago, the day that I baptized Alex Sangrador, Brother uh, Darren was there, Brother Maud was there. We were fishing in Lac St. Anne, and the wind was bad. It was real bad. And I, I was trying to work work to catch some fish because I I'm not a I'm not a I'm not very good at not catching fish. I've got to catch I've got to be actively trying to catch fish. And I 
would allow the wind to drag me uh, out into the lake. And as it was dragging me in the lake, that's easy. You just sit in there and let you're drifting. And I was jigging. Had a jig with a little minnow, and I just, as the boat's floating along, I'm just, just jigging. All of a sudden, I catch a fish. I go back, jig again, and then I get out kind of away, and I realize, okay, now I gotta, I gotta start working. And I cast a, cast a big rapala out back behind me, and I'd set it in the, the keeper there in my boat, and I'd start fighting my way against the current. And all of a sudden, I'd feel my boat go when a, a fish was on it. I'd fight that fish in, and it'd float me farther as I'm getting the fish back out again. And I'd have to fight it again. I probably lost 20 pounds that day. I had to work myself to death to go back and forth. And Jesus is just talking to Peter, who's tired, who's discouraged, who is, in his estimation, a better fisherman than Jesus. I'm sure he, he thought to himself, what's this carpenter think he knows? I'm the fisherman here. I'm the guy that knows fishing. Brother Darren met a fellow out on the lake near Brother Maud's cottage a few years ago that is a master perch fisherman. And Darren picked his brain. He asked him, what kind of lure should I buy? So you know what kind of lure Brother Darren uses for perch? The lure that guy told him to use, at least for a while. Because that guy, he knew how to catch the fish Brother Darren wanted to catch. Jesus isn't a fisherman. So what Jesus said to Peter, I'm sure, made no sense. You know, we skip past it so quickly, but Peter the fisherman, Peter the fisherman who's already been out there, He's already had his nets down out there. We're not talking about using bait and trying to tempt the fish. We're talking about dropping nets down. If the fish are there, you're going to get them. He's been there. He's done that. And Jesus now said, Peter, why don't you go out there in the deep again? That's going to involve a lot of work. It wasn't a matter of turning the key and steering the boat. We're talking about adjusting the sails and all the stuff that goes into getting the boat out there. And then once he gets out there, guess what? He's got to get back. At least one way was easier than the other. But he had to get back. Jesus here said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. That would take time. It would take effort. Peter probably was up all night. He probably wanted to get home and put his feet up and have a nap. Uh, he probably needed to get home to his coffee machine to make some coffee. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Uh, he probably was thinking about, man, my, I bet my wife has lunch ready. Uh, if I go back, uh, maybe I can have a good meal. I can have a nap. I can relax in the cool of the day. I'm tired. But Jesus said, launch out in the deep. Launch out in the deep. Made no sense. I don't think Peter had a desire to go out there again. I remember the last time I was on a serious roller coaster. It was 22 and a half years ago. It was the Kraken roller coaster at SeaWorld in Florida. I love roller coasters. I loved, with a D, roller coasters. 
Brother Bonnie, I'm too old for that now. I learned that day 22 and a half years ago. I don't love roller coasters anymore. I, I was hanging on that thing, suspended over hell, it felt like at any moment I was going to, my life was going to be destroyed. And I'm like, if I can get off of this thing, I'll, I will never get back on it. I'm good. I don't need to ever get on another roller coaster like this again. I, when I got off, if someone said, hey, you want to go ride the Kraken? But forget you. I'm not going back on there. I'm not stupid. I mean, I was stupid enough to do it once. I'm not going back. Peter had to feel that way. I'm going to tell you this morning, Christian, a lot of times you're not going to understand Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when we try to understand and make sense of it, it doesn't always make sense. By the way, you're not going to be able to reason the Word of God. You're, you're not going to be able to, to make the equation balanced and equal when it comes to your mindset. Peter couldn't say, he didn't say, okay, you know what I think? I think Jesus knows more about fishing than me. I, I, bet, I bet if I just listen to him, I'll catch a bunch of fish, so let's do it. I don't think that was the case. I don't think the command made any sense to Peter. I don't think he liked it. I don't think he wanted it. But Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down the nets. The Lord could have directed Peter, by the way, think about this. Where was the boat? Who knows where the boat was? Colton, where was the boat? That's pretty deep in the water. What lives in the water? Bernard Fish, right? Now, how hard would it have been for Jesus? I mean, Jesus is more powerful than Aquaman, right? Plus, he doesn't have a gay man bun, but I digress. Uh, Jesus, I shouldn't have said that. Jesus, or tattoos, anyway. Uh, Jesus could have called all the fish over to where they were. I mean, they're in the water, right? It wasn't like the boats in dry dock. It wasn't in land. I mean, they're in water. Could Jesus have said, Peter, cast your net over the side of the boat here. We'll catch a bunch of fish. Sure he could. I mean, there's nothing too hard for him. I mean, that's not a problem. That's not an issue. Why didn't Jesus do that? I think Jesus was wanting to see if Peter would obey. Christians, sometimes I believe the Lord wants to get us to get into a pattern a pattern of obeying. How many of you have ever played the game Simon Says? Maybe when you're younger. And you get a whole crowd of people, okay, Simon Says, stand up. And everybody stands up. And as long as it's Simon Says before that, you do it. And you'll be like, Simon Says, stand up. Everybody stands. Simon Says, sit down. Simon Says this. Simon says, and then finally, lift your right arm. Oh, Simon didn't say lift your right arm because you get in a pattern of obeying. Peter here, I believe the Lord was trying to get him in a pattern of obedience. Not because he had to go to the deep water to find the fish, but because he wanted him to obey him. And Jesus said here, go into the deep, cast down thy nets for a draw. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out thine arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. You understand there's nothing that Jesus can't do. 
outside of his nature. Uh, he, he has no limitation in his power. He could do anything, and yet he said, Peter, I want you to take the boat out in the deep. By the way, could Jesus have made the boat go out in the deep by himself? Sure he could have. Absolutely. By the way, I believe that if the, the boat was not even in the water, if he was on land and he said, Peter, cast thy net over the side uh, and catch fish, I believe Jesus could have put some fish in that net. Then nothing too hard for him. He parted the Red Sea, got part of the Red Sea for Moses. So many miracles over and over in Scripture, nothing's too hard for him. It wasn't a matter of Jesus needing Peter to help him do something. So often we get this idea that you and I obeying Christ is because we have to work together and help Jesus out. He, he can't do it unless we help him. That's the wrong mindset. The wrong mindset is to think, well, there, you know, I, I've got to add my strength and my power to help Jesus. I remember several times uh, over the years when I was younger, especially driving somewhere and you'd see a car broken down. You see some people pushing the car. You ever seen that before? Many times I've, I've pulled over, got out of the car, and I've started pushing. I've gone to help them. Man, I'm a fat guy. I'm good at pushing stuff. Uh, I'll get out and help them push. Jesus doesn't need you to push. He doesn't need your power. He needs our obedience. Our obedience. We see the challenge was to launch out into the deep. Christ wanted to teach Peter a lesson, obedience. This morning I want you to realize we may not always understand why Jesus directs us the way he does. We're not always going to say, oh yeah, I understand. That makes sense. It doesn't always make sense. There are things I believe that will not make sense to us and we will not understand until we see Jesus face to face. But that's okay. Because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. The Lord directs us the way he does for a purpose. As Christians, can I tell you that you and I can, can be confident that no matter where God tells us to go or how deep the waters are below us, he'll be with us. How many of you have ever been to Moline Lake out, of, out in uh, Jasper? That's one of my favorite places on earth. I think, we should build a, I think we should build our new church building right there. You think, Brother Eric, all in favor? Carried. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, I love that place. Uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord to give me Malene, a Moline Lake in heaven right outside my mansion. But that's a beautiful place. I love that place. And I've told my wife and, and Rebecca, and I've talked about it, I, I, might, I might try to do it this year. At some point, I want to take my kayak on Moline Lake, and I want to... I want to kayak across the lake and go uh, uh, backcountry camping and fishing. It's just a beautiful place. But when I told my wife that, Miss Lois, she's like, no, no, don't do that. She's like, do you know how deep that lake is? When you go out on the lake, they tell you that the lake is so deep, at one point they say that the Statue of Liberty, if you put the Statue of Liberty on the bottom of the lake, its torch would not reach up out of the water. It's pretty deep. And then I told my wife, I said, hey, look, if the water's seven feet deep, 
I'm going to drown. If I can't swim, I go overboard seven feet, I'm just as dead as 3,000 feet deep. It doesn't matter. But there is something about that. It's hundreds of feet deep. That unknown. And that's what it is. It's the unknown. Can I tell you, when I am over the unknown of my life, Christ is with me. Always with me. Jesus had a challenge to Peter, launch out into the deep. Put some effort. <laughs> follow command that doesn't make sense. Do something that you can't rationalize. Just follow, follow what I tell you. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, For he has said, I'll never leave thee or forsake thee. Christian, can I tell you, most of us, we miss, we're removed from the place of blessing in our life we miss opportunities for God to do things that we would be in awe of. You know why? I, I'm just comfortable over here, Jesus. I, oh, that's too much work. That doesn't make sense. I, <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I'm good. I don't want to do that. But when we begin to obey, when we begin to leave our comfort level, Jesus brings us to that place where blessing can happen. His challenge was not only launch out into the deep, but let her be in your notes. Let down the nets. Let down the nets. Now when he left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. For what purpose? Notice this, for a draught. Christian, when God works in your life, it is always greater than you can imagine. It's always greater than you can imagine. His work is beyond our work. He didn't say, Peter, let down your nets. After we get to the deep, let down your net. By the way, letting down the net, you know, it wasn't taking a stick and going. We're not talking a little scoop net. We're talking about something that took some labor. I mean, he had to... He had to get it stretched out. He had to toss it. They had to run the boat. I mean, it was an involved process. It wasn't mechanized. He didn't say, put down your net so we can catch a fish. Jesus didn't say, you know, Peter, I'm kind of hungry. I'd like a walleye for supper. I don't know if there's any walleye in Lake Genesaret. If there is, Brother Darren and I might go catch them. But he didn't say, let down your net and let's have a fish. He said, let down your nets for a draught. A draught of fish. That word literally means a catching or a haul or a full amount. How many of you ever bought potato chips before? You buy a bag of potato chips, you know, potato chip bag. It's about that big, right? You open the potato chip bag. You get your, your reading glasses to be able to see all the way to the bottom of the bag. And way down there in the darkness are a few chips. It's like, you know, this much air, this much chips. By the way, the safest place to be if you're ever in an accident is inside of a potato chip a hauling truck. All those airbags will protect you. <laughs> Plus, you get to eat while you wait for the emergency crew to come get you out. 
But it's like there's all this space and so little chips. Can I tell you that Jesus here didn't want to say, hey, let me give you a little bit. He said, let down your nets. I want to do something that when I'm done, you're going to say, that was Jesus. I, I don't want to see the normal. I don't want to see the, the everyday. I'm glad that we can see the supernatural and what God can do. Not, I, I know what I can do. I, I know my limits. I've pushed them on more occasions than I should admit to doing. I remember as a young man going two, three days a week without sleep every week of the, of the, of the year, pushing and working in ministry and laboring in secular work and in college. I know how far this body can be pushed. I've pushed it there. And, and I know how much I can do. And I know that what I can do is nothing compared to what God can do. I can't even get close. Jesus said, let down your net for a draught. The same God that worked miracle in Peter's life, and by the way, he did, can work a miracle in your life. William Carey said this, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. The God of Peter, the God of Moses, the God of William Carey is your God. And he's my God. Malachi 3.6, the Bible says, for I am the Lord. I change not. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Christian, I believe we have an example here in ministry that, remember, Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I believe we have an example here that God wants us to cast out our nets every direction for the souls of men. I believe God wants to fill those nets. God wants us to be a part of something greater than what we can imagine. Jeremiah 33.3, God says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God has given you, every one of you, in this room, gifts. To be used for him. And I know what we do. We say, oh no, I don't have any gifts. I have no abilities. I, I, I'm just useless. No. You may not let God use you, but you are not useless. Rather, God has gifted all of us individually, differently. And God wants us to use our gifts for him. Peter had nets on that boat. What if, what if Peter had said to Jesus when he said, Hey, let down thy nets for a draught. Oh, no, Jesus, I, those nets are for my personal fishing. Now, I've, got, I've got a couple little nets here you can use, but those are my personal fishing stuff. That's what we do with our life. 
Oh, no, God, that, that, that part of my life, that's for me. <laughs> that's not for you. <laughs> I use this for me. I use this for what I want. I use this for my... You can have these abilities. I don't use them. You know, they're on the side. They're extra. You can have them. But Peter here heard the challenge of Jesus to let down his nets. God's given us all of us gifts to use for him. God gives us opportunities to do so. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the Bible says in verses 4 through 11, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all, all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith for the same spirit, to another the gift of healing of the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severely as he will. I'll share a quick, quick illustration with you and we'll close this morning. There was a young lady who had gone to Bible college and she returned home for the summer in between semesters. And when she returned home to her home church and home area there, she had a burden that her church could start a ministry in a nursing home. And what a wonderful opportunity that is as a young teenager. Uh, I many, many, many times when I was six, I even younger, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, I preached many times in nursing homes. Uh, got me prepared for people falling asleep in the congregation pastoring. Uh, and the people drooling on themselves. I was used to that, Miss Lois. I, I, I got to preach. I probably, probably in, in junior, late junior high and high school, I probably preached 20 times in nursing or probably more than that uh, before I went to Bible college. But this young lady had a burden, a desire to start a ministry in a nursing home in the community there where their church was. And she contacted a nearby nursing home care facility and said, hey, you know, my name is such and such and uh, I'm a member of such and such church and I just wanted to reach out and see if it were possible that we could start a ministry in your care facility. Uh, who would I talk to? And amazingly, God opened that door. And there was a wide open door. Oh, absolutely, we'd love to have you do so. And there was only one problem. Uh, the problem was she went to her dad to talk to her dad about it, and she shared with him the problem. She said, Dad, God burdened me about starting a ministry in the nursing home while I'm here this summer, and I've talked to the nursing home. I've got permission, and they said, yeah, absolutely. She said, here's my problem. I don't have a preacher. She said, so dad, I need you to come with me. And her dad wasn't a preacher. So I, I need you to, <laughs> to preach. I'll, I'll sing and, and we'll visit the, uh, the residents and I just need you to, to preach a message. And her dad said, well, I'm, I'm not a preacher. Now he was a faithful Christian. Uh, he was a student of the Word of God. He was a, a faithful layman in his church, but he wasn't a preacher. And his daughter begged and begged and pleaded, and finally he said, okay. 
he decided he wanted to serve God in any way he could. So he went with his daughter, and together they started that ministry in a nursing home that the story I read said it was continuing to this day. Why? Because he said, okay, that's pretty deep water, Lord. That's, that's going to be a lot of work. That's a little bit outside my comfort zone, but I'll cast out. I wonder how many ministries, I wonder how many blessings, I wonder how many things that we miss because we won't obey. Because we stay stalled out and disobedient. I'm not talking about being out in gross sin. I'm not talking about going away from truth. I'm talking about we don't obey into truth. We don't get deeper into truth. I mentioned Maline Lake a bit ago. Last summer our family went out. We took a family trip out there and we stopped at Josh, what's the other lake? Medicine Lake? I think it was Medicine. We stopped at another lake. After we left Moline, we were driving along and we stopped by a lake and I decided we decided we wanted to go out into a frozen lake. How many of you would do that? Some of us crazy people. And we got it there and we you touch the water, it's like, oh, it's cold. How many of you have ever experienced that? Glacier Lake, it's cold. And I went, and I went out, and I went out deeper, and I went out deeper until I was swimming. And I was trying to get Rebecca to come out, and Rebecca was, she was a chicken. Uh, Josh finally went under, accidentally, I think. Uh, but we, I'm like, hey, come on! My wife's over there at the shore. She's got her little pinky toe, you know, touching the water. I'm like, come on! Come on in the water. No, it's too cold. I'm not coming out there. I'm not getting out in that water. I believe the Lord wants us to, to get out. Get out of our comfort zone. He wants us to come out and obey Him. And when we obey the Lord Jesus Christ, it is amazing not what we can do. It's amazing what He can do and what He will do. Let's pray together. Lord, as we desire all of us to be better disciples. Lord, as we examine how you worked in Peter's life, Lord, I believe we see a correlation for how you want to work in our life. Lord, as we look today, as we look the next couple weeks, Lord, talking about obedience, Lord, help us to receive the lesson. Help us to trust you. Lord, when, when truth doesn't add up to us, when your will doesn't make sense, God, help us to trust your word. Help us to obey. Not because we understand, but because we agree who you are and what your truth is. Lord, I pray you be with us. Lord, bless us in our service to come. God, may you be glorified today mightily. In your precious name we pray. Amen.